0: Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2008 film Yes Man concerns a character played by Jim Carrey, who changes his life by saying yes <laughs> to, to life. Uh, joining us today is mind body wellness coach Amanda Webster, uh, also a uh, uh, YouTube uh, channel. Um, thank you for joining us today, Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. Now, um, for those who don't know, this podcast is a commentary track format. And the reason it's a commentary track format is to remind you that you're not alone. I know many people listening will say, what do you mean I'm not alone? Of course I'm alone. No one is here. It's just me. What I mean by that is when you have someone to go to a movie with, when you have someone to watch a movie with, movie watching is a social activity. But when you have no one to watch a movie with, when you have no one to go to the movie with, then movie watching becomes a solitary activity. And so I will be here with you. Amanda will be here with you. We will watch the movie with you. It might not be the whole Movie, uh, I'm pretty sure it will not be the whole movie, but it will be um, a part of the movie. We'll, we'll, we'll be here with you. Um, so, if you did want to um, listen to the podcast as a commentary track, uh, we will be on the other side of the pause button. Now, and you know
1: they have to say yes, Brian. When you say would they like to? I mean, it'd be weird if they said no. On a, exactly. Yeah. A
0: yes, w- yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. They. So they. They would. They would have to. And um, so it, so for those who are watching the, the, if you're at a, a part where you see the Warner brothers studio logo, and you're hearing a journey song, you're in the right place.
1: <laughs> I feel like we need lighters. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> and it was, uh, an, an interesting choice of, uh, the uh, journey song to open the movie with, but you know
1: that, that song cost a fortune. For them to be able to use it for as a track.
0: Exactly. Just think of the odds if they would have picked uh, "Don't Stop Believing." That would Great. have been that would have been probably more expensive. Um, now, I did want to mention uh, before we start, there is um, a couple different resources just for your reference. If you're in the U.S., there's the uh, text line, uh, crisis text line. You can text home, H-O-M-E to 741-741 and if you're in the UK you can text SHOUT to 85258. Um, so um, yeah I, I did want to again welcome to, to the show today thank you for um, being here today. Yeah thank you so much I think this is gonna be fun. <laughs> I, I I think so now um, if I could go um, backwards if, if I could um, and what I mean with it is um, you had a, a low point in your life where you is it is it okay to to ask you like because and go backwards if that makes sense? Yeah, you can like, ask me whatever. Okay, well, you had a um, just a, a low point where you were a, attempting to end with that. Would that be correct?
1: Yeah, that's
0: accurate. What um, what brought you to that? part where you didn't feel like you could go on?
1: It was an accumulation of a lot of things. I, I'd lost both my parents in my early 20s. At the time of this situation, I was 33, but I'd lost both my parents in my early 20s. I'd gone through extremely emotionally abusive relationships. I had been sexually assaulted when I was 16. I'd went through drug addiction, self-harm, trying to cope, and. It just got to the point where nothing was helping anymore. I never really processed the things that had happened to me. I just kind of coped through them Mm -hmm. using some good coping mechanisms and some bad. I I started listening to Linkin Park. Ironically, my mom had bought me the the hybrid theory CD back -hmm. when I was 16. And this was just before I was sexually assaulted. And the night that that happened. I was completely alone. I knew I couldn't tell my parents. If I told my dad, my dad would kill the guy. Mm. And I just didn't want my mom blaming herself. And I did end up telling her in the long run, mm. but I didn't want her blaming herself. And I just moved to a new town. So I was a thousand miles away from my friends. And I didn't want to call my friends and say, hey, I was raped. You know, you're a thousand miles away. I, I wouldn't want that to happen to me, you know, my no. friends calling me and no. dropping that me not being able to be there for them. That would just make me feel so you know, sad that I couldn't be there for them. If my friends are listening, if that does happen, please, please do call me, but I just just tell me what you need. But it, i would never really processed me these things. And I think all of the pain just finally hit me all at once. I'd met the surviving singer of uh, Linkin Park a few months prior to this. And I told myself at this time, I can't self-harm anymore. I can't keep doing drugs. And I went into recovery uh, at the time of meeting him. So this was the last day mm-hmm.
2: that I did anything
1: was the day before uh, this meet and greet situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's great. That's, that's awesome. Everybody would, would hear that and think, oh, cool. She ran recovery. She's not harming anymore. Mm-hmm. But that didn't deal with the underlying problems of why I was doing it in the first place. Obviously,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yes. anyone that's had these issues, anyone that's ever turned to a substance or that started self-harming, You do it because you're overwhelmed. You do it because there's a pain that you're trying to cope with. There's something you're either trying to numb. You're trying to find a way to process it. And great. I mean, that was a great step that I gave that up, but I didn't have anything to like positive to replace it with. So there was a lot of really stressful things going on in my life. And I just felt hopeless. And I felt like I was a terrible mother. I felt like I was a terrible friend. I felt like I was a terrible partner. And... (laughs) <laughs> when I was standing on the ledge, I was in a Canadian hotel room and I was standing on the ledge and I was thinking two things. One was, I hope this doesn't hurt because I just don't want to hurt anymore. Yeah. And two was, this is what's better for my son. Yeah. So anybody that's ever going to say suicide's a selfish decision, I would say, screw you because the last thing I was thinking was, this is what's best for everyone else. Not me.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. this is what's best for for the people i care about because i didn't want to burden them or hurt them anymore
2: yeah.
1: but to answer your question what brought me down was <laughs> it's kind of ironic <laughs> there was a song that came on out just outside my door at that exact moment and it was lincoln park it was breaking out of lincoln park and i just freaked out because this is the band that's been there for me yeah. through everything yeah. since yeah. i was 16 years old through my sexual assault through losing my parents through abusive relationships like it was there for me and when chester when the lead singer took his life in 2017 i fell apart like i think that was the beginning of my real downward spiral because yeah. the only healthy coping mechanism i had was gone so i i really just started spiraling out of control at that point and it just culminated and on that hotel ledge mm-hmm. but in that moment in a french-speaking province in canada <laughs> Chester held that yeah. room box. Chester was my Jim Carrey. You guys are gonna yeah. understand what we mean here in a few minutes.
0: Yeah. But... Yeah. Well, I'm i I'm, I'm sorry to, to hear about that, and I I am I am sorry for, for, for your loss in that...
1: You know, in that in that hotel room, I I really processed for the yes. first time. I really started processing my parents' deaths. I really started processing what happened to me. You know, when I was a teenager. I think I held on to all this guilt, not only with the, the assault, but with my parents. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, well, if I would have known better, I could have helped them. I could have saved them. I could have, you know,
2: yeah.
1: helped them get more healthy. I could have done this or that. And there was just this immense guilt. Um, there was this guilt of I should have been a better daughter. I should have done this. I should have done that. And I never really just sat and let myself get through these feelings. It's, it's kind of expected in our society that when something happens, we're just supposed to take a day, maybe two, and then get back to our...
0: Regularly scheduled life, and that's just not how grief works. No, it's it's or trauma. Trauma doesn't work that way. True, true. Well, um, but but prior to that, you you um, there was um, certification process of what's called SMI, and are you referring to SMI, the serious mental illness designation? Yes. That okay, and I know that they're in the U.S. I believe that. Applies and I think that maybe that same designation or comparable outside of the US, but that's what you're talking about then, the, the, the SMI designation.
1: Yeah, so essentially, an SMI de- designation you have to meet, meet certain criteria for it, but essentially, it's saying that you can't have a functional, quote unquote, normal life mm-hmm. because of a mental. A disorder because of some sort of mental health diagnosis mm-hmm. and yeah in my in my late 20s mid to late 20s I was diagnosed having an SMI I was told that I would never have a quote-unquote normal or functional life because of this and there was no way that I could ever overcome it that it was a lifelong thing that I'd always be seeking medication or therapy or something that it was just something that that wasn't able to be overcome mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that, um, and for those watching the movie, there's a scene where his friend who he hasn't seen in a long time tells him about the this seminar that he will, he will be going to. And I um, <laughs> mentioned that just as, um, as an aside to, to you know, anchor people into the movie. But I, I did want to ask you, um, when you were working through the, the diagnosis that you were, you were given, how much of that was with the traditional, you know, Western medicine, so to speak, um, path of, you know, medicine and, and, and whatnot, and, and, you know, specifically psychotropic meds in and, and, and the opulence? And the
1: well, I started having symptoms of depression in my early teens. So I'd already been going to therapy. And I would see a therapist for quite some time, for a year or more at a time, And I've been guinea pigs on every freaking medication that hit the market Mm. from the kids doses on up. They tried me on different doses and the side effects were so awful. I never got anything out of them. There was never a time where I took a a pill and it made me feel better. It made me happier. It made me uh, more balanced. I would, I would take them and I'd have panic attacks so bad that I would think I was dying. I'd start hallucinating. I couldn't breathe. Even if they gave me the kids dose. I mean, even if they gave me the lowest dose possible. So I gave up on medication.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I tried it a couple more times in my in my late 20s, early 30s, but mm-hmm. I just gave up. I said, I can't do this anymore. And every time yeah. I try and tell the, the medical health professional, this is what's happening, they'd say, oh, well, you need to wait a couple more weeks mm-hmm. and let it settle in your body. And I'm sitting there going, maybe you didn't hear me when I said I was <laughs> yeah. laying on the ground hallucinating. Yeah. Did you miss that part? Did you hallucinate yeah. and miss that part? Because yeah. I just, I, I couldn't do it. And I, I did. Yeah. I did see a therapist. I did go to therapy. I tried a life coach as well. And there were certain things. I'm not going to lie. There were certain things mm-hmm. that I, that I gained from that certain skills, certain mindsets, certain things that I really valued, that I thought were really great. But in retrospect, I almost think that it kind of held me back. I could have learned those things in different yeah. ways and yeah. not in that setting. Yeah. So I'm grateful for what I learned, but I, I just, I don't think it's the route for everybody. And I think it's kind of the one that's pushed most often Mm -hmm. here, especially, I don't know where all of our listeners are, but especially here in the U S it's kind of like, well, if you're not taking medication, then you just don't care. Then you're just not trying. Then you're not, you know, trying to heal. And I call BS on that.
0: Yeah. And, And that's what I wanted to ask you about is since starting the podcast, um, that, that I'm doing and reaching out to other people, what I found is a couple of things. Number one is that there tends to be a prevailing messaging, a prevailing narrative that if you don't subscribe to that narrative, that, that your story and your experience does not matter. And dovetailing that, I've noticed a much greater... Um, and a more authentic and open discussion about psychotropic meds. And and for speaking for myself, I, I wish that a lot of that dialogue had happened sooner for myself. So, so I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that we're at a place where we are continuing to have those open discussions about that? Because I don't recall there being that much discussion as there is now.
1: Oh, absolutely not. When I was a teenager, it was if I went into a mental health professional, it's literally like, well, you need to take meds. You need to take meds and you need to come in here once or twice a week. And that's that. It was nothing about lifestyle. It was nothing about diet or nutrition regime. I hate the word diet. was nothing about any of that. They don't discuss any of that. It was more, here's some meds, go away. Don't kill yourself on my watch. That's literally the narrative that I felt that I got Mm -hmm. from pretty much every mental health professional ever. It was take meds, don't kill yourself on my watch. That was was how I felt. And of course that's not a a welcoming or or a positive feeling to have. But when I came down off that ledge, I did go to a mental health professional. I said, look, this is what happened. This is where I'm at. And I wanna be happy. I don't just wanna be complacent. I don't just want to survive anymore. I'm tired of just trying to survive. That's why I ended up there, is because in some way I was saying no to life. I just wasn't trying, I thought I was trying. I thought I was doing everything, but there was just a good part of me that was kind of a denial. Mm-hmm. And I do think that we're now seeing the mind-body connection. You know, everybody's talked about that. That's the buzzword of the week. Everybody's talking about that mind-body connection. We're starting to see that more. We're starting to see the effects of it. Uh, even therapists now, some therapists are starting to incorporate that in with their their treatment of their patients, mm-hmm. so I think I'm absolutely not going to say that, that medication is a bad thing. Some people really benefit from it. Some mm-hmm. people really need medication, but I, I definitely think that most cases of low to moderate depression can be treated without the use of medication.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. And that's something that, and you, and you did say the the keyword uh, doctor, and that is something that, um, you know, it's important to have those conversations with, with, with your doctor. Absolutely. Um, I know for myself my primary care doctor got to a point where they would not prescribe anything for it. I'm referring to psychotropic meds. They would not sure. prescribe anything. It got to a point where they just said, enough's enough, we won't prescribe it anymore. They had said it in so many words. And the other, uh, because there was a coordination of care form that had been filled out, they were very hesitant because of the other medications that it was on. So, so for me, it was more or less... Being tapered off through no fault of my own, in a way, <laughs> because they got to a point where they said, "No more. We're not going to prescribe it anymore." Um, but I, Do you I think that was helpful
1: for you. Do you think that was a turning point for you when they when they stopped prescribing it?
0: Um, I I think it was because one of the prescribers said outright, "This is a narcotic." Which, which it is. Many of them in that class of medications are a, a narcotic. It's not name calling, it's, it's a neutral factual statement. Um, more so if you're looking for a job and the job requires a drug test, that's gonna show up on a drug test. And so that and the doctor saying, oh, this is a narcotic. And then on the other hand, having to worry about failing a drug test on account of something a doctor prescribed you,
1: I've actually failed a drug test before because of
0: yeah, psychotropic that. drugs. Yeah, yeah, and so it got to a point where anytime time I would have to do, um, you know, a drug test, I would have to bring in the prescription to show them. Okay, here, and then it got to a point where some of the, I think the last drug test I had for a job was, I want to say about about two years ago, I want to say under two years, I brought the prescription with it. It said, no, don't don't show us, we can't look because of HIPAA. So they said, you know, uh, bring it to where you, where you pick up what the, but there was some nuance where you couldn't have it at the the testing site. You could have it at one of their labs, some loophole as far as HIPAA where they, but yeah, that's kind of um, what kind of ended it for me as far as, you know, the consumption is if I didn't have a doctor who said, nope, you're not getting, you're not preserving it anymore. I would probably still be on a lot of those.
1: (laughs) Let me just take a second to acknowledge how scary that is that people that are already vulnerable because they have this mental illness are now being prescribed narcotics, narcotics, like coming from someone who is a recovered cocaine addict. That is terrifying. I know what it does to my brain. I know that that's, that that can be extremely damaging, especially if you're doing it over long periods of time. And I just, that, that definitely does not want to be your first course of action, you know, when you're, when you're trying to treat mental illness, that, that should not be the first course of action.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, now, um, for those who are watching movie, we're, we're at the point where he's at this, this seminar, where there's the seminar leader played by, I believe that's Terrence Stamp from, I, 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 I still think of him as uh, Zod from Superman. And I know <laughs> there's people who think of him from uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and, but I still think of him as Zod from Superman. That's uh, oh, but, man. Um, now, were, were you ever in any type of, any of these sort of seminars and the sort of, you know, these large group gathering type, type deals? Oh, man, I went to
1: actually quite a few. I've, I've... Spoken at a couple yeah. as well, but yeah, I've gone to a few uh, self development seminars, or definitely not any that hit me in the head with a microphone or ran <laughs> barefoot or anything like that. Um, none that were as exciting as parents, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I've, I've had my fair share of yoga seminars and self development <laughs> seminars. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. And it goes without saying that the movie, by virtue of being a movie, there's a lot that's exaggerated for dramatic purposes. And oh, I don't the... know. I don't, I mean,
1: you've clearly not been around the hippie people I have, because I know people. <laughs> I actually had a teacher. I went to a school in, in Tempe, Arizona. It was called Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. an award-winning school. But one of my teachers would teach barefoot every day. And that was just his thing. He didn't like yeah. to wear shoes, so he'd teach barefoot foot every yeah. day. So.
0: Oh, no, and what I, what I meant by that it was I, I meant as far as the demeanor of the whole movie. I, meant, right. not I would one. pay to go to that yeah. seminar. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I would pay <laughs> yeah. Cor- I to go to but, seminar. Correct, but you're, you're, you're correct. I, I have been to seminars where there have been uh, teachers and gurus, et, et cetera, whatever you want to call them, that were of, a, of that similar sort of attitude. I like the kick butt
1: attitude. I really like yeah. the take, take no prisoners type attitude. Right. I, I like, I don't know how um, on this seminar right now, I, I like how he's just very kind of, I don't want to say aggressive. He's not angry yeah. aggressive, but he's just very not going to take no for an answer. Yeah. And I think some people need that. Some yeah. people really need that. We're going to help you. We're going to change you. I needed that. I truly yeah. needed someone yeah. to come up to me and be
2: like, no man, no man, no man, <laughs> until I Yeah, until I yeah like, that's
0: what they, yeah, they say, no man, no man, no man, no man, and it's, it's cool. Um, well, now you're going to hear that
1: in your head every time. No man, no to, yeah. my, my nine-year-old will do that if he asks <laughs> for something, and I'll be like, not right now, honey, or whatever he yeah. be like, no man,
0: no man. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was one of the things that, that you said yes to?
1: in terms of just life in general
0: yeah yeah
1: well back in I want to say it was 2012 13 ish I decided that I wanted to travel but I was a single mom I made very little money I was doing dog boarding stuff like that and I just I didn't really have a lot I didn't have a lot of income but in my school we talked a lot about manifesting which I just thought was hippie bull spit like, just complete crap. I yeah. thought it was just yeah. another toe reading, whatever, <laughs> palm reading, let's yeah. sit in foil hats under yeah. a tree and chant Om all day. But I, I just, I really started focusing, and I really started saying, this is what I want to do. This, I, I want to travel, I want to see the world, and I want to learn French, and I just want to have a little bit more culture. And it freaked me out, because within a year, just stuff started falling out of the sky, like literally just falling out of the sky. I set this intention and it wasn't even, Oh, I kind of want to do this. It was, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and the world mm-hmm. can figure it out. And in 2015, I went to, and keep in mind, I'm still a single mom at this yeah. point, And my, my income didn't really change, but I went to London, Paris, Rome, Iceland, Mexico, 10 day trip with my kids to California I believe, and I went to New York in 2016. Mm -hmm. So I did like all this traveling. I got to meet Joey Fatone from NSYNC. And that was one of my big people that I wanted to meet. So 2015 was kind of my yes year where I just stopped (laughs) making excuses. And I said, I really want to live. And I'm going to start just accepting that this is going to happen. And I'm going to stop making excuses. And I'm going to just kind of start doing random things and and Mm -hmm. living life. And I think that's how this movie really affected me is when I got mm-hmm. done with it. I was like, holy crap, this is me.
2: Like, I'm carry. Carrey, I'm cool, I'm cool right yeah, now. Yeah. And
1: I realized that I, I had all these dreams that I'd never fulfilled. And I turned 30 mm-hmm. in, in 2015, or as my dad would say, I was 21 with nine years experience.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but um, I, I just started sitting there reflecting, going, God, I haven't done anything that I wanted to do. Yeah. Like all the things that I thought I'd achieved yeah. at this point. So I started... Traveling, I started tracking down these celebrities that I really wanted to meet. Uh, I ended up last year, I talked off the, the last of NSYNC, so I met all five of NSYNC. And for all you non French speaking people, I just yeah. said I can speak a little French now. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I really just, I'm one of those, I don't dip my feet in, I will yeah.
0: jump full load <laughs> <full don't. word> in <laughs> the deep end. Cool. Well I um so this this is a movie that really resonates with you then as it far did. as the, the, the message in a lot here. of
1: ways it did oh. it, it did really resonate just I think it's something that everybody can relate to. Maybe your dreams aren't going and traveling or stalking down in sync, but and when I say stalk, <laughs> I just want to be clear that I did I, I went to events that they were at, I yeah, didn't yeah. their houses or anything. Yeah. I just oh. um Joey Fatone actually did a, a show in Vegas. He was on a Broadway show in Vegas mm-hmm. and I got to meet him there. I met Lance yeah. Bass in New York City uh, when he oh. was co-hosting Meredith Vieira's show. Um, so I, I, I just want to be clear, I didn't actually <laughs> mean stalking, but <laughs> I think everybody can just kind of needs that microphone to the head sometimes. Mm-hmm. That yeah. we're, we're told I, I actually got a lot of flack even mm-hmm. from my friends about your mom and that should come first and I don't want to toot my own horn, but i had darn good mom. I am a great mother. Like, my kid can speak French. My kid (laughs) knows he's loved. My kid has everything he needs. He, you know, he's a very balanced child, really healthy. I went out of my way during this, this pandemic to really try and make sure that I was getting him some kind of educational stuff. I wasn't a teacher and I
2: didn't say, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to learn
1: six hours a day, but I'm a good mom. But in the beginning of, of my kind of yes man phase, I, Got so much crap from people that were telling me, well, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. This isn't how you're supposed to be.
2: Yeah.
1: Don't tell me who I'm supposed to be and what makes me happy. My kid was yeah. fine. My kid got to go with me. Um, we went over through Arizona and then to the bottom, to the mm-hmm. Southern California and then up California. We got to go to, uh, is that Yosemite? The, oh my God, the national park right there. It
0: oh, the, is,
1: um, is, uh, is there Yosemite? Oh, say it is
0: Yosemite. Um, I, keep, yeah, I always
1: yeah. mix up Yosemite and Yellowstone, but I think it was Yosemite. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, we got to go there, and we had a blast. We came up for the first time, <laughs> so believe me, my kids know worse for for wear.
0: Yeah, doesn't um, because I I don't li- I don't like that the ones you know when people want to lecture you and and say y- you should and all that, and 9 percent of the people they don't know. I mean, they don't know the whole story. I mean, they. Just and the don't. awesome
1: thing about it is, is my kid is developing that yeah. that passion for life because that's what it is. It's a passion yeah, for life. You definitely. can either lay there with the fly lay, like landing on your dead face. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just fighting and being like, yeah, eh, it looks the same to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I had a friend as hot as Bradley Cooper, but. <laughs> but you can either be that person or you can be the person out there yeah. living your life. And maybe that, that, that looks like just going and exploring mm-hmm. your town. Maybe that looks like taking up a new language. I mean, there's free language apps out the butt now that you can take up new languages and stuff. There's no excuses for not, for not really living a passionate, fulfilling mm-hmm. life
0: well what, what would you say for those who are going through a, a rough time right now and it might be just even one new thing a day or one new thing to what would you say to those who will say oh it's you know it's just a task just to get out of bed just to get what would you say to, to those who feel like they can't even do that
1: Well, the first thing I want every one of those people to know is they're not alone. There's so many other people that struggle with this on a day-to-day basis that really struggle to find energy, to find motivation, to find drive. And I know what that's like. I've been there and it does get better, but I, I will say that it gets better when you make it better. It gets better when you really understand that, can you control everything? No. Can you make your depression go away or your anxiety go away? Not right away, that's not gonna happen. But you can take one step in the right direction. That's all it takes. If you're thinking to yourself, okay, I wanna to go to the gym today. That's actually a huge task. When you break it down, you have to get out of bed, you have to get dressed, you have to drive to the gym. Like That's huge, that's exhausting just to think about. But if you break it down and you think, okay, right now, all I'm going to do is get out of bed. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to get mm. out of bed. And then it's right now, all I'm going to do is I'm going to go put my gym clothes on. Then it's all I'm going to do is get my car. Mm. All I'm going to do is drive there. All I'm going to do is drive mm. and sit in the parking lot for a minute. All I'm going to do is go inside. And when you break it down like that, that's actually, that was huge for me in getting mm. out of this. Is I just said, one more step that's all it takes just one more step just do one step in the right yeah, direction
0: one like the baby like the baby steps like yeah. when, when the baby step becomes a giant step and the giant step becomes yeah you no know, so yeah.
1: when i was coming out of this i looking back now in the last two years so the the hotel room incident was october of 2018 so as of next month this will be two years I was literally ready to end my life, guys. I was literally ready to jump from a hotel room ledge because I was miserable. I was that person. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I couldn't find any reason to go on despite my wonderful son, despite great friends. I just wasn't, I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't there in my head. I I was done. I was hopeless. I was in pain, too much pain. And one of the things that really resonated with me was when I. I, I messaged there's gonna be at least a couple 90s wrestling fans on here that are gonna kind of <laughs> geek out at this. But I'm a, I'm a DDP yoga instructor. So I got yeah. certified by Diamond Dallas Page was a huge uh, world champion wrestler, yeah. world champion, uh, in WCW wrestling back in the day, wrestled for WWE for a while. So I texted him and I just said, I'm kind of in a dark place and I don't know what to do. And I grew up watching wrestling with my dad. It was like our one bonding thing with me (laughs) and my dad was, was professional wrestling. My dad passed in 05. So what Dallas said, what DDP said was exactly what my dad would have said. Mm. It was just so holy crap. This is crazy. But he said, you got yourself into this and it's on you to get yourself out of it. And Mm. that, I mean, if, there was probably a time where i if actually if i would have heard that from anyone else i would have punched him in the face but let's be real (laughs) ddp could kick my butt so
2: i was not about to punch him in the face yeah yeah
1: but it's not what we want to hear
2: yeah
1: from from most people we don't want to hear that we have we play some part in this Mm -hmm. when it came to my depression the depression wasn't my fault the trauma from the sexual assault wasn't my fault The grief of losing my parents wasn't my fault, but the way I was choosing to live my life was not conducive to optimal mental health. If you are eating garbage all day, if you are sitting on your butt all day, if you're not finding things to be grateful for, they actually, they they found out, they did studies, that even if you can't find anything to be grateful for, the act of looking for things to be grateful for is actually enough to start releasing those chemicals. So when you're when you're in this negative mindset all the time, and you're sitting there you're scrolling Instagram, you're comparing yourself to everyone else, which is just being a no man in a whole different yeah. way. You're <laughs> yeah. sitting there saying no to exactly, your life, yeah. so you could yeah. say yes to everybody else. But when you're doing that, you're not living for optimal mental health. Mm-hmm. So of course, you're going to exacerbate symptoms of depression, anxiety, stress when you're doing these things. And people, I, I, I got quite a bit of hate when I released my happiness boost program because people were saying, well, you can't heal depression with, <laughs> with changing lifestyle and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I, there are certain mental health disorders that absolutely, mm-hmm. like I said, need medicated, Correct. need that. And it's not an easy thing. It mm-hmm. wasn't easy for me, but I Correct. realized if I didn't do something, I was going to die. Because Chester sang me off that ledge. Mm-hmm. But what would it, if I didn't do anything, I'd just end up on another one.
0: Correct, and yeah. uh, correct, and, and I'm so happy to hear you say that because one of the, uh, I'll say a concern with expressing my perspective <laughs> uh, on the show as well as opening the floor to perspectives that in this case I agree with is I do have that concern at, at the back of my mind of all the negative voices saying, oh, you're, you're saying that, you know if i think happy thoughts that i'll get better and and i'm not saying that no. at all you're not saying Nobody's that at all saying that. no no and so so i'm so happy to hear you say that because if if people will will you know follow the, the guidelines that, you, that you're talking about that's not what she's stating it's not what i'm stating not not in any sense of well, the word, I, but
1: I like to think of it this way <laughs> happiness fulfillment all that is like a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And when we're depressed, our base point is really low. My base point was below zero, obviously. So on a mm-hmm. scale from like negative to, 50 to plus to 50, my scale was like way down in the negative. Mm-hmm. And we're not always going to be way of top, right? Like that's just not, nobody's happy right. all the time. And if they do, they're probably a serial killer
2: because <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah.
1: they fake their emotions. That's why they're happy all the time. They don't have emotions, so they fake happiness. but. Nobody's happy all the time. That's the biggest misconception of healing Mm. mentally. And I struggled with this for the first six months because every time I'd have an anxiety attack or every time I'd feel upset, I'd be sitting there going, I'm failing. It's not working, like these things aren't working. Mm. But once I realized they were less frequent, they were less intense, I was able to maybe get through a day without feeling tired, or maybe Mm. I was able to get through a day without the suicidal ideation or without feeling overwhelmed and hopeless. It was the steps in the right direction, but when I started looking at happiness as a spectrum, mm-hmm. and I could say, "What can I do to boost it just a little bit?" And that's why I called my, my course "Happiness Boost." It's like, what can I do to boost it just a little bit? Mm-hmm. And the, the the course kind of lays out: Here are the five puzzle pieces of happiness. Because we, my biggest problem, why I had said, "Well, I tried everything and it didn't work," because number one, I didn't try it consistently, and number two, I didn't try it together. Yeah, I know so many people out there are going to get this that I would be like, okay, I'm going to do, and I'm going to do yoga every day for 30 minutes. And I do that for a week, maybe two, you know, but I, on the side, I'd be out eating the absolute crap. And I would just be sitting there going, this isn't working. Grumble, grumble in my life. is horrible (laughs) and everything. So it's, I would latch on to one piece and then forget about everything else and then that obviously didn't really make a, a noticeable effect yeah, so I yeah. ditched that and latch on to something else and and when that didn't quote-unquote fix me then you know it was just a vicious cycle of yeah. oh my god well I'm trying everything and nothing's working well doing downward dog you have to do downward dog till your arms fall off it's not yeah. going to heal you if that's all you're doing yeah. it's not going to yeah. help you yeah. get higher on that happiness spectrum but if you're if you have that regular practice, say you go out in the morning and you just go on a nice bike ride, if you have like a gratitude practice, if you're you're eating to really serve your brain, because I don't know if y'all realize this, but your brain is actually part of your body.
2: It is. Yeah. And when you're
1: eating garbage, that's sending signals through your vagus nerve up to your brain. So the vagus nerve goes from the, the basal spine down into the, the uh, stomach, like down into your uh, Digestive tract. That's what I was looking for. Down in your mm. digestive tract, if you're eating food that's causing inflammation, that is going to send nerve. That's going to send signals through your vagus nerve that something's wrong, and that comes out as anxiety, depression, inability to deal mm. with stress, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So there, there's very much something to be said about the way the lifestyle we lead if we're really wanting to get as high as possible on that happiness spectrum.
0: Do you think there has been a, uh, a rush in the, the traditional, conventional, mainstream mental health uh, approach? Do you think there has been a rush to, you know, shoo away any feeling of pain and discomfort and not really process those and work through that, but just, you know, push, push those away as soon as possible?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> like, you literally just hit okay. the nail on the head. And I think so many people that struggle with mental, uh, mental disorders okay. and stuff can really relate to that because mm-hmm. when my, let's just, for example, when my mom died, just to be clear, this was my rock. My mom was my everything. She's my best friend. I had just moved to California. I moved just Sacramento, California with her. Uh, We had lived in Ohio for a few years, so I I grew up in Missouri, then we moved to Arizona for four years, then we moved to Ohio for a couple years, then her and I decided to move to Sacramento, and she passed away a few months after I was moving there. So just to paint the picture, I am totally alone in a new town. Everything in my world just fell apart because the person that meant everything to me died. This is two years after I lost my dad. I have absolutely nobody. I have no money to my name. And I went to see a mental health professional because I'm sitting there going, oh, what the hell did you
2: do? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: I don't even know who I am or what to do. I felt like a large part of my identity was being my parents' daughter. And now both my parents are gone. And I'm, oh my God, I'm not their daughter. And, you know, So I felt like I kind of lost my identity. So I went to a mental health professional. And instead of showing me how to deal with the grief that I was having, how to say, you know what, it's okay to fall a freaking part. It's okay to cry, go cry, go cry right now, yeah. <laughs> cry yeah. for hours. No. I deserve to mourn my mom. I deserve to be able no. to have those feelings. But instead, the mental health professional is saying, You should probably be on medication right now. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm
1: saying there my mom literally died a week ago, lady. Yeah. I don't need to be on medication. I need you to tell me how in the hell to get past this, you know, how to cope with the feelings I'm having because I don't know how. And I actually think that backfires in the long run because then you never develop the skills, you never develop real stress uh, like stress management skills, you never never know how to deal. With anxiety and stuff when it comes, and I'm telling you, I used to have panic so panic attacks so bad I was hospitalized okay. multiple times for panic attacks. Oh, and then I there's and then the there's water. also
0: there's also the added specter of prescribing something else to counteract the side effects of what you're prescribed. And then you're uh, in five so or you six. So you get the
1: original
2: prescription exactly. Comes,
0: all this yeah. stuff, so
1: they give you more prescriptions. Yeah, yeah. isn't that kind <laughs> of how Elvis died? That they were uh, I think medication? so. Yeah. Yeah. But actually. My dad, my dad passed away in 05 and his, his actual diagnose, <clears throat> diagnosis was pneumonia. But we found out that his doctor had prescribed him medications that were reacting with each other. The doctor didn't catch it. The pharmacist didn't catch it. The, like the computer system, I didn't guess, didn't catch it. But his medications were reacting with each other, which was causing more health problems. Yeah. And when, when you really stop to think about it, a lot of these medications, I mean, you're putting chemicals in your body, chemicals, foreign chemicals that were never really meant to be in a human body. We're putting in the body. Now, some, there's some chemicals that they're just boosting, you know, serotonin, boosting, whatever didn't work for me. works for some people. But when you start really manipulating the body, the problem with that is, is you're not like with the grief, you're not getting to the core problem. You're band-aiding it. You're not Teaching hmm. someone how to deal with grief. Like when, when somebody's on blood pressure medication, you're not teaching them how to manage their blood pressure. You're saying, Okay, well you can go eat all the McDonald's you want. Here's yeah. a pill to to fix that. And that is a slippery slope, my friends, to get on. Definitely. Because you're not learning how to take care of yourself. Number one, your lifestyle itself is going to have bad side effects. And all you're gonna do is end up on more and more medication to cope with those side effects. And then you're gonna end up on medication to cope with the side effects of yeah. the medication. You're on to cope exactly. with the side effects.
0: Yeah. And then you're on five or six <laughs> beyond. Yeah absolutely no um i did want to want to mention on your youtube channel you have a um you you revisited uh it, it gets better and i was wondering if you, if you could just speak to that um briefly
1: yeah so there's a there's a project called the it gets better project uh by i think it's the trevor the trevor mm-hmm. project and it's aimed at lgbt youth because they're very at risk for suicide, that kind of thing. And I myself am bisexual. And I know, having grew up in two conservative small towns, how hard that can be. (laughs) Fortunately, I had two parents that love me very much. But I know that's not everybody's story. And I know what it's like to hit rock bottom. I absolutely do. And I posted a video several years ago, just because I wanted to motivate and inspire other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I really wanted to, to tell people it does get better, but then I, I spiraled completely out of control and I'm happy to say now I didn't want to make another video till yeah. I knew that I was never going to go back to that place. And I've now been two years in recovery from self-harm, yeah. from cocaine. I have not in any way done anything destructive. And I feel like with this whole COVID thing going on, mm-hmm. if I was going to slide back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into my previous dark night, my dark yeah. time to, into those bad habits, I feel like I would have by now. I just really wanted to get that message out there that no matter where you are, it gets better. You can make it better. You can take one step in the right direction right now. That's all you need. Just take one step in the right direction. There's so many people that care about you and that will talk to you. I know how alone I felt when I was in that, even though I had friends and stuff and I ended up joining some different groups on Facebook and stuff, just Lincoln Park fans, you know, other fans that were really yeah. upset by Chester's death because, <laughs> interestingly enough, talking about crappy mental health professionals, when I, when Chester passed away and I started having symptoms of grief yeah. because this person was a big part of my life, and we we always pretend that you know, celebrities are these untouchable figures, that we shouldn't have any connection with them, that you know, that it's just, there's nothing there. There's actually something called disenfranchised grief, which is grief that's not uh, accepted by society. Yeah. And that's what I ended up feeling for Chester, because another big word, parasocial relationships are the relationship we have with um, people we don't know, like a celebrity, like if we really admire Chester, we really admire Bradley Cooper, or we really admire Jim Carrey, or whoever, we, we do create what's called a parasocial relationship with that person, because we allow those people in our homes, like, it was the voice that comforted me the night I was raped. Of course, I have a connection. And was a person that kind of helped me through grieving my parents and helped me survive through that. But of course, when he passed away, I had a reaction to that, and I was grieving. But what I told my, my mental health professional, I told, my, I told her that, look, I'm having these feelings, these and I don't know what to do because I want to do it in a healthy way. I don't want to spiral out of control. And she ended up telling me, well, it's inappropriate for you to have those feelings because you didn't know him. Yeah. And if that would not have been my last session, I would have flipped her desk. Yeah, <laughs> I just uh, sat there perfectly quietly for the rest of the session. And I just gave one word answer to everything she had to say. But my knuckles were turning white from gripping my chair because I, I didn't want to react. I wanted to be able to respond to her. And I sent her a very <clears throat> well thought out email yeah. a few days later once I calmed down. And she actually apologized to me. I, yeah. I, I, I explained to her, you're going to do harm. I wasn't in a really, really bad place when I came to you in my mind that day. But if you told that to someone who's really struggling, and a lot of people did struggle with Chester's death because yeah. he was, for a lot of people, was a voice of hope. And, and you know, when he took his life, it kind of confused people. It confused me because you're the one that, that was giving me hope not to do this. And now you yeah. lost your battle. So it was very confusing. And I just told her, I said, you know, you're if you said that to the wrong person, they're gonna go kill themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to know what the repercussions of your words could do. A lot of people, and I, I linked her to some of their different books and said, look at these people, these people are grieving, people are hurting, and it's not your right to tell them that they can't. It's your job to tell them how to do it in a healthy way. And the healthy way to to do that is to feel. I deserve to feel grief over Chester. Nobody could tell me that I couldn't feel grief over Chester. And just have different grief um, activities. And sometimes, I remember for my mom, i down and spent hours writing down every single memory I had with her. Every single one. Every single little thing I could think about. Yeah. I mean, from this morning when she had made me cookies on <laughs> Christmas and, you know, yeah. just literally anything at all I could think about. Or when yeah. she said this to my best friend, I just started writing and writing and writing for hours. Yeah. Uh, with, with Chester, I went to, they had a, he was actually from here. He was actually from the Valley and club tattoo over in Timpey, which is close to us. We're in Arizona club tattoo. He owned club tattoo and they had like a little, a memorial for him and me and my really close friend went there. And that really helped me to start saying, okay, I'm not crazy. (laughs) There are other people that are feeling like I do. And that's what, what sometimes you need to hear. There are other people feeling like you right now. I promise you, you're not alone. I promise there's, there's people feeling like you. And if you ever need somebody to talk to, I mean, you had given the hotlines earlier you can always just go to my website amandawebsterhealth.com you can send me a message i'd be happy to talk to you uh i am always posting youtube videos and stuff where different celebrities are talking about like I, I have conversations with different celebrities talk about mental health because even they struggle did you know billy bob thornton has panic attacks guys The actor, billy bob thornton yeah you
0: you have attacks. um there is a, new, a video up there with billy bob billy bob thornton
1: <laughs> yeah, I was interviewing Billy Bob Thornton and he was talking about what a panic attack feels like to yeah. him, how he manages them, like the, the supplements and stuff he takes, how food affects him. And I just thought that was really powerful because we, we look at these people, be it Chester or Billy Bob yeah. or Jim Carrey, or yeah. whatever. we look at these people kind of like they're immortal, you know? I, you guys are sitting here watching this movie right now. Jim Carrey suffers from manic depression. He could put a smile on his face Definitely. to us, but he suffers from the same things that a lot of us do. Definitely
0: definitely definitely and um yeah and and I'm glad you mentioned you said it was disenfranchised grief I I believe was without was the the, yes. the term um there was a, a power pop musician I want to say Ow- Owsley have you ever heard that name Ow- Owsley he was a he he lost his battle with depression about, I want to say about 10 years ago just under 10 years ago. He recorded one album on an indie label and then he re, he got signed and he re-recorded it. So he had the same album that he re-recorded twice. And when he, um, and I remember hearing that that song, it was some college radio station I heard that that song on. It was, I believe it was the indie label version. And he was, he, he got his funds for that from touring And it was either Amy Grant, her touring band, or Vince Gill, one of the one of those two. Vince Gill. And, but that's that's how he got in the business. He was a touring musician with, I think it was Amy Grant and Vince Gill helped with. But anyway, um, I took that. I just that one floored me because I remember just getting so enchanted with that album that he made. Uh, You know, any number of different. and a the fact that he's not that well known except for maybe in a lot of indie rock and college radio circles um same with um elliot smith who did that some one of the songs for goodwill hunting so there's been like these these under the radar artists that when, when we lose them, I still take those losses a little hard. <laughs> I, 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 yeah.
1: It's actually normal. I mean, it's normal yeah. enough that they have words for it. Like yeah. there social relationships. Yeah. That's a word. And it's completely normal for us to attach to these people. I mean, there's some people that were parts of our childhood. Like for me, I still have a kind of soft spot for the guys of instinct because my friends yeah. and I bonded <laughs> over them when I got to talk to some of these wrestlers, like yeah. my dad and I actually fun story guys. Uh, Again, for those of you that are wrestler, wrestling (laughs) fans, you guys will kind of geek out over this, but so again, my dad and I bonded over WCW wrestling in the early 90s. And that was our one thing. My dad was six foot two, you know, big, burly, manly man. and I was, everything has to be sparkly and pink. (laughs) And I was always (laughs) drooling over some male celebrity, Jonathan Taylor Thomas or whatever. And... My dad and I ended up catching wrestling one day while we were channel surfing and got really into it. And that just happened to be our thing. And I would not miss Monday Night Nitro for anything. I turned down by going out with my best friends because I'm like, I'm not missing Nitro with my dad. But so obviously my dad passed in 05. I didn't have any siblings. I didn't have any close male friends. Nobody to walk me down the aisle, right? So I went to this convention, like this Comic-Con because Hulk Hogan was going to be there. Hulk Hogan, Sting and Eric Bischoff. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can go kind of in honor of my dad and meet some of my childhood heroes and Eric Bischoff was like my first crush. So it was like yeah. cool, so I could go to this um, I could go to this event and just kind of honor my dad and feel close to my dad and This was a few months before I got married so I go I take pictures i 'm feeling a little i don 't want to say depressed but I was just feeling down afterwards because I really expected to have this big spiritual experience where my dad appeared in the clouds, you know so I, I posted the pictures on my social media. I went to bed, get up the mm-hmm. next morning, and my friend had messaged me and said, oh, that's so cool that you met the Hulkster, and I work with Bishop's wife. You know, she, like, Eric is so cool. She's so cool. And I bet you're really, you know, proud, mm-hmm. and you're making your dad proud. Your dad would be so proud of you. I said, wait a second. You work with Eric's wife. Don't you work at Sweeha? which Southwest Institute yeah, of Human yeah. Arts Like school I went to? I said, wait a second. You work with his wife. but You guys work. You work at Sweetha. He goes, yeah, she's a life coach teacher. And I stopped and went, oh my God, uh. I had caught the last name. She was one of my teachers. Uh. And I, I, I realized the last, she just didn't make the connection because I made people in Arizona, you know, I never would have made that connection. So I reached out to her on social media. I found her again on social media. I reached out to her and said, look, your husband's legacy is the only reason my dad and I had a relationship. And... I'm getting married in a few months and I have no one to walk me down the aisle in any way that your husband, Eric Bischoff, multi-million dollar owner of WCW Wrestling. <laughs> I just want to put that into perspective. Yeah, yeah. We'll will stand in for my dad on that day. And he called me later that night and said, I would be honored to be there in place of your dad. And so that was just one of those moments where I'm, like, oh, God,
2: I'm <laughs>
0: oh, That's cool. That's cool. Like that. Well, what... um. And you had mentioned uh, SWEHA, and I am familiar with uh, SWEHA. R- really good people there. I, I, I like love that. the energy. I miss it and
1: so much. I love energy, the people that come there. And it is, it's is—it's an award-winning school. They teach so many different awesome things. I did the Mind-Body Wellness Program, so I got a full spectrum from psychology to uh, my, my specialty was holistic nutrition. But I also got to learn. Uh, I did a full life coaching cor- thing a full yoga teacher training, which, I mean, that's one of my yoga teacher trainings. (laughs) I did do their yoga teacher training, uh, hypnotherapy, Reiki, so you kind of get, like, this whole full spectrum, which is really awesome. But my problem was, is I graduated in 2011, but again, I convinced myself that vegan macaroni, that vegan gluten-free macaroni was awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: (laughs) Because I did all this, but again, I was kind of in denial about... What was actually healthy and oh well they said not to eat this so this is good it's it's a (laughs) gluten-free vegan cupcake so it's fine yeah and i there was just a very much just it was willful willful ignorance it might have been subconscious but it was very much i was just making excuses
0: (laughs) oh cool well um is there anything that that i didn't ask you about that that you'd like to mention
1: i don't think so where are we in the movie right now
0: um he's already i want to say a second I, he already did the, the cause there was that, that guitar part yes that's was, what I was uh, wanting doing. to yeah and that was I want to say maybe three or four scenes back I want to say oh man
1: so we missed it so yeah, yeah. I, I did want to touch on that for a brief second because yeah. it, it... oh that's right
0: you did want to yeah so yeah the, the jumper song yes yeah, so
1: watching it now afterward because yeah. I did end up watching it afterward yeah. after the fact Um but another kind of interesting story was when I originally posted the, my It Gets Better video six years yeah. ago, I posted my original one, I would get calls and, and and emails and stuff from people that were saying, you know, I was going to take my life until I saw your video and I just, somebody gave me, you gave me hope. And I I, I had a reason to hold on. I realized that I wasn't alone. And okay. I, of course, every time would cry like a baby that yeah. I, I was somebody's Chester.
2: I suppose, yeah, yeah. Or,
1: But I ended up getting this call from this person who was just absolutely hysterical. And I, well, at first was kind of completely flat-toned, but ended up becoming pretty hysterical. And I realized pretty quickly what was going on. And this person had a gun and was ready to be done. And they said they just wanted somebody to hear them. They just wanted to be able to say goodbye to someone because nobody like they felt like nobody cared about them so i'm sitting there panicking i'm like oh my god i don't want to do i am not a mental health professional but if i get off the phone with this person if i say well you need to call the suicide hotline they're going to kill themselves because they called me they trusted me so i'm sitting there panicking because i didn't want to be responsible you know for them doing something for me saying the wrong thing so the only thing I could think to do was start singing Iridescent by Linkin Park. I thought about the Jim Carrey's, I thought about that yeah, exact scene yeah, where he was there yeah, with the guitar. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, but for me, it would have been Linkin Park. I would have wanted to yeah, hear that yeah. hope. So I started singing Iridescent by Linkin Park. And I happened to be with a client at the time who started singing with me. The gardener next door came over <laughs> and started singing. I kid you not, it was literally like a movie <laughs> moment. And the person did end up coming down like they- they. Yeah they came down off of their proverbial ledge for them. was yeah. a gun. They put the gun down yeah. and they ended up getting help. And I heard from them like sometime later that they did end up getting the help that they needed. And I, I was somebody's chester and that meant everything to me. Oh, so yeah. you never really know what people need to hear. You never yeah. really know um, who's going through struggles. And it's really important if somebody does come to you and is saying that they're having these feelings,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's really important to validate them, please, 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 please don't just be like, well, you have so much to be grateful for. You have so much to live for. You shouldn't feel like that. They just need someone to hear them.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I, I know that it might seem like like bringing, bringing up their family or bringing up their kids or bringing up their career might seem like a good thing from an outside perspective. It's not. Please yeah. don't do that. Please just listen to them. That's all they need. They just need someone to to hear them. To know that they're not invisible, somebody cares. Um, so if if you do know somebody that's struggling, just maybe saying, "Hey, I, I've seen that you're not really yourself lately, and I just want you to know that you can talk to me if if you need to. I'm I will listen to you and I care about you. Don't make a big deal about it. You know, don't be like, "Oh my God, are you
2: alright?" Like I don't.
1: And if if they do come come with you, if they do end up telling you, admitting yeah. that they've self-harmed or that they've, they've done something, please don't panic about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just just show them love and then, you know, gently tell them that you, you want to help support them, find other ways to cope with their, with their struggles and stuff that you just really want to be supportive. That's very important.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. Now, um, as we wind down, I, I did want to mention for, for those who might be going through a hard time right now, or even for anyone who, you know, is is doing better and, and want to learn more, uh, there are a couple of resources that I did want to mention. There's Mental Health America, which is mhanational.org. There's also nami nami that's national alliance on mental illness at nami.org um, amanda are there any others that i that i should mention i think you mentioned uh, trevor project
1: yeah, the trevor project if if you i mean they'll help anyone but it's mm-hmm. specifically for lgbt youth uh, mm-hmm. that are struggling maybe the, their parents aren't accepting mm-hmm. them i know some people whose parents kicked them out when they found out they were gay mm-hmm. they are a great resource mm-hmm. for, for lgbt community to really uh just know that they're not alone. I mean, I know that's a very specific uh, segment of people. They really struggle. I'm bisexual and it is hard sometimes, you know, to find your pack, to find your group. But yeah, the Charter Project's really great. Um, like I said, I, I've been trying to post resource things over on, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Amanda Health, where not only uh, do I talk to different celebrities and stuff about their mental health struggles uh, and their struggles with depression and stuff, just to break that stigma, because that's really what this is about, is Definitely. you're not crazy. Definitely. You're not abnormal. Like everybody goes through struggles. A lot of people struggle with depression, anxiety. It's not, it doesn't make you a freak. It doesn't make you abnormal um, and, and just hearing other people talk about that sometimes can be cathartic, but I also post, uh, like my gets better video. I post different mm-hmm. things that helped me, uh, like different methods and things that helped me. I just, I, I really want people to have hands-on resources from someone that's been through it because let's be honest, like you don't want to learn how to play drums from somebody who's never touched drumsticks in that life. Exactly. Line. Exactly. And I just kind of want to be that voice of, you know, I've been there. I hear you. I get it. I, I, I emphasize what what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Let's see how we can help you, you know, get better. And if you go to my website, AmandaWebsterHealth.com, you can also download a free workbook. that's called How to Improve Your Focus and Boost Your Happiness. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of helps people get that first step on their happiness spectrum. If you don't know where to start, if you're at that point where you're just laying in bed and you don't know how to get out, how to move on, how to, you know, really take that first step, this is a Mm -hmm. really awesome first step because it's going to help start eliminating those distractions and i know that that was really crucial for my healing because mm-hmm. what did i do i sat and scrolled instagram all day and what <laughs> did that do it made me more freaking depressed yeah exactly, <laughs> so,
0: exactly yeah
1: so that's it's, it's a really helpful it's a workbook that you can go through you know at your own pace it's really going to help you take that first step to boost your happiness and start healing
0: definitely a well, lo- lo- lot of good info definitely a lot a lot of good stuff on on, on your site and on, on the youtube channel so thank, thank you, thank you um no th- th- thank you for um being here today um thank you at home or in your car or wherever you might be listening uh stay stay safe everyone and uh talk to you next time uh, bye